0: Hello, my podcast family. Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Okay, today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. I know that's no surprise to you. And like I have been doing with the previous episodes and Books, I will just highlight a couple of scriptures that I think give us an indication to the purpose of why Paul wrote the letters. So we will start in chapter 2, verses 9 through 14. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. For you recall, brothers and sisters, our labor and hardships. It was by working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you that we that we proclaim to you the gospel of god you are witnesses and so is god of how devoutly devoutly sorry and rightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father with his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of mere men, but as what is what is what it really is the word of god which also is at work in you who believe for you brothers and sisters became imitators of the churches of god in christ in christ jesus that are in judea for you also endured the same suffering at the hands of your own countrymen even as they did from the jews now chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 therefore when we could give when we could no longer endure it, we thought it best to be left behind alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you for the benefit of your faith. Chapter four, verses one and two. Finally, Then, brothers and sisters, we request and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive instruction from us as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel even more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Okay, there are going to be several areas that we unpack here. First, I want us to analyze that as Paul, as a shepherd of the early church, I want us to note how he opens his letters. When you go back and you read um, 1 Thessalonians in its entirety, and as we continue to look at his letters to see how he shepherds the early church, I want you to notice that he always identifies who he is. Right. As if they would not know him, which I find comical, but he always says, I, Paul, an apostle, I, Paul, a bond servant of Christ. He always identifies who he is and the commitment that he has to preaching or spreading the gospel. Then he will include um, others who are also greeting them. So it's almost like it's a communal letter, in a sense, because he will identify other people who are also I guess expressing their gratitude and thanks because he always says we thanks so it's the other people who are with him Timothy, Sylvanius and I think those are the two in this particular letter but then don't you find it interesting that he talks about how while they were there laboring with them that they didn't want to be a burden to them that he he they held their fair share so to speak that even though that they are apostles in Christ and they are there to do the work of the business of spreading the gospel and instructing the early church they did not sit back and allow the early church to kind of wait on them they joined in they worked they didn't want to be a burden to the early believers and I think that's noteworthy next I want us to um, take note that Paul always gives credit to God for everything that he does in every letter he consistently points back to Jesus he expresses his appreciation and his love for the community and then he always points them back he pumps them up and then he always points them back to Jesus okay so let's get to the heart of the matter um as I stated this letter he sends greetings with Sylvanius and Timothy so they must be with him when he's writing the letter and then Paul takes time to reinforce the church's commitment to the gospel, which is important, right? That's what verses 9 through 14 were. The second chapter then reminds the church that they are, to, they are followers of Christ and, and to remember the instruction that they were given, that it didn't come from men, that it's not Paul who is making this up or Timothy or whomever, but that this is really the word of God and to reestablish or reaffirm their commitment. For me, it makes me wonder what was going on in the church for Paul to have to state that in the letter. I mean, were they waffling, perhaps? Um, Doubting, following other individuals? We don't know, but Paul found it necessary to reestablish you know, the gospel that they've been given and to encourage them to continue on with that. So much so that whatever was going on in that body of believers, he felt it necessary to send Timothy to assist them, right? To encourage them. So I don't know if it was persecution that that caused them to doubt their faith or if it were false prophets that caused them but whatever was going on in that body of believers that community that they were experiencing Paul understood what was going on I shouldn't say understood he recognized what was going on and then he responded by sending in a reinforcement so to speak then he gets to the meat of the letter does he not which is to provide instruction Perhaps, you know, all of the pumping up that he did prior, prior to this was to soften them up for the blow of, okay, here's what I need you guys to do. Because as you read a little further in the book, you will see that his instruction, he talks about sexual immorality, arguments that hindered their witness. And so obviously there were things going on in that body of believers. And then he closes by encouraging them again to love one another And once again, that's another indication to me that maybe that wasn't occurring. And then he says to pray without ceasing. And so my question to us today is, could this letter be sent to any of our churches today? I believe so. (laughs) None of the things that Paul identifies in his letter, as you read it in its entirety later, have not occurred or, or are not occurring in our churches today. It's a sad commentary, but it's accurate because we're humans and we're flawed. And so they will continue. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for excellence. God wants us to wake up with the intent of doing his will and living according to his word and making godly decisions. But he also knows that we're going to fail from time to time. But we shouldn't purpose to fail. Our desire is to follow God with our entire heart our whole heart and when we fail because we will the peace that we have in knowing that our God is a good God and that he will forgive us to me that makes our relationship with him more rich so how is Paul shepherding this church right I think it it demonstrates once again that Paul is aware of what is going on in that body of believers. Situational awareness. We've talked about that before, how key it is for you to recognize what is going on. The important things, learning how to read the tea leaves, so to speak. Second, as a result of him being aware of the struggle that this um, church was experiencing, he sent Timothy as a reinforcement, which I think is outstanding. He demonstrates that not only are you to pray for your you know for people but if you can actually do some actively i should say do something to change the situation then to do so which reinforces what james writes in chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 which say if a brother or sister is without clothing or in need of daily food this is the new american standard bible i, I, I believe uh, And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled. Yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? So to me, that's the same thing. Paul recognized that this body of believers was undergoing all sorts of havoc. And so he sent someone down there to reinforce them, to provide instruction and encouragement so that they could walk in accordance to God's word. He doesn't allow them to flounder on their own third he expresses his desire for them to do well you know he he's encouraging them he acknowledged the right things that they're doing and then it's like okay you've done these things okay now I need you to work on this and sometimes all people need to hear is that you're on their corner. They need to hear that 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 you acknowledge the effort that they're making and the progress that they're making. They need to know that you're in their corner, that you're there for them. You're not you're not to hinder them. In the military we have this um saying, or at least we used to when I was in called Stump the Chump, where you would go up and you'd have to brief, you know, a superior officer and whatnot, and you're trying to brief them on the situation. And they're peppering you with class questions because they've already done their homework and they're trying to show you as being dumb. That's called stump the chump. (laughs) That's not what Paul was doing here. Paul is like, no, I'm on your corner. I I want to help you. I want you to succeed. So for us, the lesson is don't hold back appreciation. Don't try to intentionally um, help people not do a good job. One thing that I noticed on my mother's side of the family Um, with my uncles and with my aunts and even my mom is that it's easier for them to point out the negative than the good. On my dad's side, it was just the opposite. They would shine a spotlight on anything that remotely looked good. (laughs) Even if you were just almost there, they praised you. So as an adult, I can look back and I can compare and contrast the dynamics of, of both sides of my upbringing. But not only did I recognize that on one side of my family, I also recognized that in me, that I can be very critical, especially of myself, but to others. But that's not what I want it to be. And so the Holy Spirit helped me to change that, to not be so quick as to point out the flaws in other individuals, but to really point out the positives and then with love, if necessary, help guide them to, you know, achieve more. I let my dad's side kind of surface a little bit more. Fourth, Paul provides guidance and instruction, which is always important. And we know that he does it in love because it's preceded by all of the accolades and the warm words and the well wishes that he extended to the church before he got to the instruction side. He sent help. He sent reinforcement. And then he sent a written instruction of this is how you grow further in your walk. And we as individuals are to grow in our walk with God. And actually just in life in general, we're not here to be stagnant, you know? And so those of you who are shepherds, don't allow yourself to become stagnant and don't allow the people around you to become stagnant. I'm not saying that you need to ensure that people are so busy that they don't have time for themselves, but God has placed us here for a purpose, And we should be growing and striving to achieve what God has given us to do. And not necessarily to grow in wealth or education, although we can and should pursue those things. But at the forefront, we should be striving to be a follower of Christ, to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be a a forever learner or a lifelong learner in Christ in our roles as shepherds i think we can apply all four in our lives to maintain you know situational awareness and to assist people when they're struggling to give them a helping hand and and our desire and express our desire in motivating them to to do better to encourage better right and when we're doing all of that then the instruction that we provide individuals will be received so much easier because we've already um, laid a very nice solid foundation of love. If there is anything that um, we can do, you know, it's always, you know, if it's if it, when it comes to your caregiving aspect, if there's something that you can do in addition to what you're already doing I don't know if it's hire someone it may be fire someone you know change medication spend more time with your loved one or just just kind of survey the way your caregiving is going maybe you need to hire someone just to give yourself a break you may be thinking that you need to do it all but if you give yourself a break trust me you'll be a better caregiver because you need to replenish yourself. And God hasn't called us to exhaust ourselves to the extent that we're not experiencing the season that he's placed us in with joy and with trust. And you can't have joy and trust when you're exhausted. Speak lovingly to your loved one, letting them know that you are okay because They need to know that you're okay. My mother needed to know that I was okay. My mother needed to know that she was not a burden to me. And I would tell her that frequently. And so do that for your loved one. That's a way of reassuring them. Because if they have some level of consciousness, they are aware of the heavy responsibility and burden that caregiving can be. Caregiving is a burden, not the person it's just all that encompasses caring for them that can be a heavy load. It's not them per se. And, uh, and some people find that hard to differentiate between, but that's the distinction. Like I realized today, I miss my mom. I miss her. I do not miss the role of caregiver, though. I don't re- miss the responsibility <laughs> and all of the things that I had to do in caring for her. But I miss her. And so that's okay. And the last thing is if there is growth. If there is a way that you can assist people to help them achieve more then to do so with love. The bottom line is we are to be growing in Christ. So we are to make sure that we as the church in Thessalonica that we are imitators of God. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your word. We thank you for providing insight as to what leadership is, what shepherding is, how we can be better caregivers, how we can be better parents, better spouses, better employees, better employers. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It breathes life into us. There isn't anything that we aren't going through that we can't receive guidance from your word that you don't speak to us and give us direction. And just as Paul always sets the ground with love before he gives direction to his um, young protégés and the young churches, so do you with us. You lavish yourself on us with unconditional love, mercies that are new every morning, your grace. And then your Holy Spirit gently whispers words of conviction, not condemnation, in our ears. Our desire, Lord, and our prayer is that we have the heart to hear you when you speak, and then the trust to stay, say yes and be in obedience to what it is that you have us to do I ask that you bless each and every person who's listening today because you know what they're going through individually you know collectively as a body of Christ we want to shine brightly for you we want to be a community of believers that people will know us by our fruit by our love for one another help us to Set that example within our communities today and the individual congregations as well as the church universal. That we be uh, people who are focused on allowing you to use our lives so that people will know that you are the Christ. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alrighty, have a good day today and go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus.